a friend of mine just gave me this book. I read it many years ago, and they just brought it at, at a time when I was thinking of uh, buying another copy. And uh, now Adele doesn't have to give me flack for buying another book. The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, Sogyal Rinpoche. So this is a, a quote from Buddha about uh, looking at things as fluid and as not that life has no reality, but that it, it does not have the solid reality that we uh, imagine it does, and it doesn't have the separative nature that we think it does, that it, it really is a flow of energy that we get to be a part of, that we are a part of, and then there are swirls within that energy made up of our thoughts and our uh, feelings of separation and our opinions and uh, self-definitions and, and all of that, that it feels like we are separate from the flow, from each other. But in fact, each of us is just another whirlpool that spins for a moment and then rejoins the flow. And the Buddha says, know all things to be like this, a mirage, a cloud castle, a dream, an apparition, without essence but with qualities that can be seen. Know all things to be like this, as the moon in a bright sky in some clear lake reflected, though to that lake the moon has never moved. Know all things to be like this, as an echo that derives from music, sounds, and weeping, yet in that echo is no melody. Know all things to be like this, as a magician makes illusions of horses, oxen, carts, and other things, nothing is as it appears. The, the, the Tibetan Buddhists, uh, their final answer to everything is emptiness. That we let go and we let go and we let go and we find just the clear presence of empty mind. This is my understanding of it. The Vedantic perspective or the non-dual perspective is that the final answer is fullness. That when we let go of everything, every idea, every resistance, every seeming separation, that what is left is just the purity of consciousness. I saw Pema Chodron uh, it was just before the, a few months before the pandemic uh, hit and locked us all away for a few years, on stage talking to Father Greg Boyle, uh, the uh, founder of Homeboys Enterprises downtown. Father Greg and uh, uh, Pema Children were being interviewed by a former gang member who's now a, a marriage and family counselor. <laughs> He's this big 225-pound guy. Just You're not going to mess with him if you were his patient, I can tell you that. And he was funny, and they were just having a rollicking good time, uh, the three of them together. And at one point, uh, Father Greg 
brought up the idea of God. And Pema Chodron literally became uncomfortable in her seat. She started to squirm and finally just said, I, I'm, I'm, I was right there with you all the way up to that word, God. And I, I just, I don't know what to do with it. It's not, it's just not for me or something of that nature. And, you know, that's where she finds comfort is in knowing that the buck stops here. That my life is not dependent on something other than me. It's not dependent on something outside of me to give myself the life I, 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 I long for, the life I intend, the life I want to discover for myself and for uh, my place in the world. That's what works for her. For others of us, uh, like myself, locked so long in this idea of myself as separate, different, alone, apart from, unworthy of life, unworthy of love, uh, definitely unworthy of happiness, that stranglehold on me was so strong that even though I engaged in mindfulness-type meditation for 10 or 15 years before I learned uh, the meditation that, that I now teach. The idea of what and who I am never shifted from that voice and, and that perspective. I was never able to drop away from that voice long enough to discover the emptiness that I might be. And Vedic meditation and any meditation that works in this fashion for us, allows us to have a separation from the truth of what I am, the consciousness of what I am, the knowingness of what I am, a separation between that and this voice of, and these ideas of, and these opinions about myself. So that I can begin to have a perspective on those voices as the meditation also melts away from me all of the traumas that have kept me locked in those voices and allows me to begin to feel the emptiness or fullness, it doesn't matter, of what I am that is other than that. And from that perspective, the buck stops with me. I am the arbiter of, of, of my life. And I get to depend on something that is so much greater than what I am. I get to depend on, if I move into this next sentence, it's, it's going to be, I'm going to be met by something greater than, than my best thinking. If, if I uh, keep showing up and, and having conversations and meditations together, I'm going to keep gaining from that, and anyone who wants to show up, show up is going to gain from that as well. Where we're moving into something greater than, rather it's each of us choosing to engage in this fashion, allows us more and more to experience this flow of, this ocean of the, the truth of being, of, of the truth of consciousness, the truth of life, uh, and to me, uh, the truth of the divine. I, I was with a friend who was who was who was passing, and and I, I I just told him, 
you know, you, you can let go. There's, you're only going to fall into God. You can't fall into anything else. There is nothing else. Let go, you'll fall into God. And my friend Trudy here just said that she, she started the most recent Pema Chodron book, uh, How We Live is How We Die. And let go and you'll fall into nothing but the divine. That isn't just when we uh, transition out of this form as a, a nervous system. That's in, you know, letting our neighbor off the hook for being noisy or letting our lover off the hook for uh, being rude and self-obsessed letting ourselves off the hook for being rude and self-obsessed. Not shirking our responsibility to behave properly, but knowing that it's in the nature of being a human that we will behave improperly, whatever the hell that means. We're going to behave in a way that we are less than comfortable with or less than happy with, as are the people around us. You know, if, if you haven't had your heart broken, you haven't used it enough. It's, 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 it's there to be broken open. It, it's these, these experiences of life are there to teach us, to allow us to teach ourselves, to allow us to take the gifts that we offered ourselves before we came into this life. And they include watching our loved ones die. They include approaching that experience ourselves. They include wondering how it is we're supposed to be in this situation, in this situation, in this situation. How do I love when this is happening? You know, how do I, how do I let go when I think it needs to be a certain way? How do I accept the un seemingly unacceptable? To know that we can't fall into anything other than the divine. And all of these things we're clinging to are only made solid by our clinging. And that the letting go is actually, it's not about giving up our dreams or our hopes or our desires or our uh, plans for our life, but rather letting go of the fear that if I let go, I'll be left behind. If I let go, I'll, I'll, I'll find that I really am unworthy of life. If I let go, I'll find that I'm really not the person I'm afraid I'm not already. In 12-step work, you, you uh, work with uh, resentments. And uh, I discovered this thing along the way that I discovered that it's in the book. I finally read it um, and understood it in a way that was useful. You know, you, you write a resentment about someone. I have a resentment against this person. And, and we want to let go of these resentments because resentment, it means I'm feeling something that happened a long time ago and I'm letting it affect my experience of today. I want to let go of those so I can get here, so I can have the experience I'm talking about. 
And, you know, I resent my father, the cause. He always told me I was worthless and I'd never amount to anything. And by always told me, he told me that a few times, but (laughs) once is probably too much. And this affects everything in my life. And is there a fear engaged, involved in this, holding on to this resentment? Absolutely. What's the fear? What if he's right? What if I am worthless? What if I will never amount to anything? So I hold on to that resentment so I don't have to own that. Like, oh my God, what if he's right? And then from that offering myself the freedom of, hey, he's been, he's been, he's been gone longer than he was alive in my life. If I'm letting his experience affect me, this fallible human who didn't have nearly the uh, opportunities I've had for uh, growth and, and meditation and taking substances out of my system. If I'm going to let that person's spoken, at least, assessment of me, God knows what was behind it psychologically, if I'm going to let that affect me today, then uh, that's that's on me. And then doing the work to see myself as something other than those swirls that I get trapped in. The ones of personal worth or worthlessness, the ones of lack or limitation, the ones of self-assessment through the eyes of another that are less than stellar, letting go of all of those so I can fall into this place where it would be like saying this part of the stream is not good water. It's absurd. There is no this part of the stream. There's a current here, but it's the same water. It's the same water. It's the same water. It's all going in the same direction. And where does it end up? It ends up in the ocean. That's where I'm headed. That's where we're all headed. And if we really want to get mind-blowing about it, the river begins here in the mountains and ends here at the ocean. But we never ask a river where it is in that passage. Where where are you now, river? (laughs) Uh, Source, course, and goal, the whole thing, man. And, And as our friend Diana says, be the river, man. We're already in that place of oneness and uh, acceptance of everything as profoundly beautiful and profoundly true and and uh, of ourselves as being profoundly worthy of the highest experience of life that that we can have the, the highest experience of creation and creativity we can have the highest experience of love we can have uh, flowing out of us and flowing through us it's not possible that from that perspective, it's this part of the river that's unworthy. It's, it's just not possible. Yet, as this whirlpool of all these different assessments based on the opinions of people who perhaps they might have been as intelligent as me, 
they might have been more troubled than me. They definitely had experiences that I didn't have that were traumatic, and I had experiences they didn't have that were traumatic. But I also had the beauty of being engaged in the evolution of consciousness that we see all around us today. Yes, there's bullshit happening uh, in in Eastern Europe and and in the minds and hearts and uh, of of our political structure. Yes, that's all there, and you can't turn around without tripping over a yoga mat. You know, meditation, when, when Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was put on the cover of Time magazine, it was like, oh my God, what's this? Here's a guy with hair and a beard, he looks like a hippie. He's wearing flowing robes and he laughs and holds a flower. People of the West didn't know what to do with that. But today it's like, oh yeah, meditation, yeah, yeah, right. My HR committee has just uh, hired someone to come and teach us. HR department. We have a wealth of access to different ways of seeing the world, different ways of seeing ourselves, different ways of seeing consciousness, different ways of seeing the divine. If you can't find a way that fits then there are ways to discover your own and make up your own. You know, look at the Red Book by Carl Jung. He invented his entire personal mythology, the extraordinary paintings and, and writings that he has in there. Because that's the way it came out of him, and that's what made sense to him. If we want to change our experience of life today, there is every opportunity to do so. My father never had that opportunity. All he knew was he was being tortured by everything inside him, everything he had done, everything that had been done around him with his experience as a, as a soldier. And he didn't know how to live with it. And so he died. That's, that was it. I've had the extraordinary grace of living long enough to discover the lie of what I used to believe about myself and to consistently and continually remind myself of that and to get to remind others of that same thing. From a place of, I know what it's like to think that I don't deserve to have life. And I no longer labor under that illusion. And when I do fall into that illusion, I know it's a passing thing. I know that I will fall back out of the illusion again and into the, the, the loving arms of the divine because it's not possible to fall into anything other than God. And even when I forget that, the forgetting is part of the falling. So that poem or discourse by Buddha was just another way of, look at it from this perspective. Look at it like this. Or look at it like this. One of these might hit you. If it doesn't, make up your own. You see the pattern, my, pattern I'm laying here. Try it yourself. And, and, and let yourself fall into the, the truth of mind, the truth of emptiness, the truth of space, the truth of fullness, the truth of light.
whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But let go and fall into what's here waiting for us to fall into. Thanks for listening to Embracing Bliss. I started this podcast and the book it's based on to offer a daily reminder to myself as well as to you that we have the freedom to choose happiness. And if ever we needed happiness and freedom to choose in this world, now would be that time. So please do share it with someone you love, send it to a friend, and also please stay in touch. Links for Instagram, uh, the book Embracing Bliss, and to sign up for my newsletter can all be found in the show notes. Until next time, have a great day.